You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and as we continue to to look forward to to free agency, to the NFL draft, I've been trying to to reach out to uh, to some of the folks around the league, some folks who. Uh, who who have done this stuff? Some folks who who probably know this uh, this time of year and and what it's like for NFL teams better than I do. And one of those guys is is my good friend from the scouting academy, Dan Hatman. And I welcome Dan to the program now. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Hey, always appreciate you you taking the time. Hey, why don't you tell folks? I'm curious, you know, before we get into the Giants and free agency and and all of that, how many people have you sent through the scouting academy now to the NFL scouting ranks and to the college scouting coaching ranks and all of that? I know it's uh, I know it's a lot. It, it it's good. It's been a, it's been a really good ride. Uh, we actually just got some news here. Uh, in the last week or two, uh, a couple people who had um, been around a club volunteering basically uh, got opportunities. So we are at 38 people have had an NFL opportunity at this point through five years, and I think we're over 120 currently in college football. That's just that's just crazy. It's the it's the best place I know to learn how to scout or to uh, to learn how to uh, how NFL and college teams actually scout if if you're interested. So uh, so that's my that's my my early plug. I usually do these things at the end of the show, but we'll we'll make the the early plug for uh, for going to the scouting academy and and learning from Dan and and lots of fantastic uh, fantastic NFL coaches. About uh, what the game really is all about. No, uh, it's been like I said, it's been fun to work with good people and see that good work be rewarded. All right, so hey, let's uh, let's get into the Giants. We're as we uh, as we record, we're we're roughly a week from the start of free agency, and, and what I kind of want you to do, I kind of want you to put your GM hat on and kind of take me through. You know, some of the the scenarios for the Giants this off season, and the the big one that we heard, you know, this week. There's been all sorts of chatter about Leonard Williams, and you know, people are still gnashing their teeth over the, over Dave Gettleman's decision to to trade draft capital for eight games of of a free agent to be, you know, during a losing season 
So, and Dave admitted at the combine, he said he'll get killed if the Giants don't sign Williams. If if it's you at this point, if you're sitting in the GM chair, how do you handle the Leonard the Leonard Williams situation at this point? You got to let him go to the market and see what the numbers come back on. And there's definitely going to be a price where you have to walk away and just take the sunk cost. But I'm not going to double down by he's got leverage and if you double down and, and chase that leverage to a price point that uh, inhibits you from going after other pieces like to me i'd much rather spend the money on a, a perimeter rusher with the nucleus of defensive tackles that they've been able to acquire there and guys like Tomlinson and dexter lawrence um you know the bj hills the world that can work in those ranges depending on how they, this new this new front comes along uh, under Graham and those guys. But, yeah, I'm not going to chase Leonard um, all the way through. The, the pick is what it is, but at this point, the, that cash can go other places if need be. Is there a, a walk-away number for you? Would you use a franchise or transition tag on Williams to keep him for a year and get some value? Or you know, is there a you know, 10, 12 million a year sort of number where you would just say, you know, thanks but no thanks? Yeah, I haven't found like the exact number that would be for me. I, I personally would be a little leery that tags the tags gonna start all future negotiations. Like once you put that dollar amount on and say you think they're worth this much even for a short period of time, there, why would the agent take anything less than that over an extended period of time? I mean, if I was the agent, I wouldn't. So no, I wouldn't tag them. Again, the the pick is the pick, it's gone. We had access to them. Part of it was the opportunity to negotiate with them early, have the extended negotiating window with them. Um if that doesn't get you get you to a point where it's mutually agreeable, I mean, there was a, a philosophy years ago. I remember when I was coming up in the league, um, people would talk about the Ravens' philosophy of they tell their free agent their price, the Ravens' price. Hey, I think well, we think you're worth this much. We understand if you think you're worth more. Uh, or we understand that. If you want to go to the market, we understand that. Uh, all we ask is that you give us a chance, bring your best number back. And we'll talk about it and go from there. And if we're not on the same page, we wish you nothing but the best. That's where I would be at with Leonard. I'll tell you my number. You go to the market. You come back with one that blows it out of the water. Good for you. Uh, but we have our number. we got to stick to it. I, you know, there was a report this week that there was a, quote, strong market for Williams. And obviously at this time of year, it's hard to, uh, to know you know, what's accurate, what isn't accurate, what's, you know, being pushed by the agent and, and all of that. I don't know. I don't know that I buy that there's a big market for Leonard Williams at, at you know, at a big number. Uh, you know, how about you? I, I don't. Um, so we're not talking about an interior pass rusher of a, you know, Fletcher Cox variety who's been dominant from that standpoint, uh, a linchpin of your inside pass rush plan. I like Leonard as a player. Uh, I think there's a lot of value there, but he hasn't he hasn't translated to that next tier. And when you're going to pay a guy that much on the inside, it's because they're a dynamic pass rusher. Um, and so, no, I, I wouldn't expect – I think there'll be a healthy mark. I think he'll get very good starting money because he does have some versatility in terms of alignment and assignment. But I don't think he's going to go get uh, top-of-the-market money based on – that the pass rush piece because that's that's where teams should be spending their money right now in the trenches in the defensive trenches on pass rushes and obviously so now we need to talk about pass rush obviously the giants need pass rush they need to to improve that 
in in some way, shape, or form. And there are really two guys I think that we need to talk about. The first one is Yannick Ngakwe of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we know that we heard that the Jaguars were going to tag Ngakwe. So the question for the Giants, you know, I think he would have been the guy to chase if he had hit if he had actually hit the open market. Is there a trade to be made, you know, with Jacksonville for Ngakwe? And if there is, what might that look like? Uh, there is. I, there's. There's always. There's always something that's going to entice him. Like the, part of it is going to be that Jacksonville doesn't want to lose him. This is the player dictating that they don't want to resign, and so they're a reluctant trade partner, not an aggressive trade partner. They're not looking to move on from a malcontent. Uh, like you know, they they clearly didn't like um, Jalen Ramsey. You know, that was something that they felt like they needed to make a move on. And those things happen. I get it. Um, but I don't get the sense that they dislike Yannick. They've just always undervalued him relative to everybody else. When you look at his age, his abilities, his production, his consistent health, I, none of the things that would be a red flag in other cases where you're like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know which one of those things you're, you're saying is a negative against the young man. So I, I'd be all in um, on him. They haven't been. They've aggravated him. He wants out. So I do think that you can find a place to make that deal, but they're going to want they're going to want a king's ransom because they're going to tag them for sure, and then they can do that again another year depending on how the you know what it gets ratified to the CBA negotiation. But if that they can extend it the next two years, chances are they will and continue to control that that asset in the short term. Um, so if you're going to get them to do that, you're going to have to pay. Now I think that with the Giants draft picks. You know, being at four, Jacksonville being at nine, I think you can move in that range. Reminds me a little bit of when the Jets went up uh, ultimately and acquired Sam Darnold. They went from six to three. It cost them three twos. I think the Giants could drop back from four to nine. That would be part of it. Acquire the player. You probably have to sweeten that. Too bad they don't have that third rounder. Um, would have been a potential sweetener in there uh, and still walk away with the ninth pick the 36th, and then you would have lost your third on that deal. But now you're going to have to potentially kick in a future two or something like that um, to make those things happen. And then obviously pay Yannick that top-tier money, uh, which will get pricey. Yeah, it would. So the, the, you know, the only other big-name, big-time pass rusher who looks like he's going to hit the open market is Jadavian Clowney. I think his deal with Seattle – when they traded for him, part of that was that they wouldn't they wouldn't tag him, so he'll hit the open market. Now we're talking with Clowney. We're talking about twenty two or twenty three million dollars a year, you know, from the, from the reports that we see. So we're kind of talking about a market setting deal for Jadavion Clowney. If you're sitting in the GM chair, you know, knowing that you've got to do something about your pass rush. Are you all in, or is that a walkaway number for you? You know, with a guy like Clowney, there's no way I'm paying him number one rusher money when we can't get a consistent season health wise out of the young man. And it's nothing against him; just the bodies break down over time, and his has already been breaking down. I don't know where the I don't know where the place to to rest your head in the pillow and say we've got a guy we can trust for 16 games, so let's go pay him 16 game money. Um, he may next year he may be healthy for 16 games, but. I, there's not a lot of objective evidence that would get me there. 
I'd be more interested in looking at Shaq Barrett, Matt Judon, those kind of guys uh, that, again, I think fit the defensive structure. I think there's more rushers in the market than just Yannick and um, Jadavian. All right, so Judon might be a guy from the Ravens, you know, might be a guy that, uh, yeah, that if he hits the market. Because Barrett and Judon both might get tagged by next Monday now that they've moved the date. Um, like in Gakwe, you need to have to deal with that. Um, so it, it's possible none of them end up on the market, and I get that. And if that's the case, then um, you're going to have to be a little more creative in how you approach free agency. But I, I still struggle to, again, chase um, – it's not just the cash, it's the, the opportunity cost. And put that into him, and it doesn't work out. I can't move that money somewhere else to fill that hole when he's not available. Now, that's the part that starts to bother you. All right, so so let's let's say that, that you can't land in Gakwe, you can't land Clowney, the Ravens tag Judon. You know, maybe the other way to approach this is to look at the back end of your defense and, and, and to go – and, you know, the Giants have a, a group of really inexperienced cornerbacks. The big name on the market is Byron Jones. I had I had Bob Glauber of Newsday uh, on the show recently, and Bob said that, that Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator, former Dallas coach, is banging the table for the Giants to go out and sign Byron Jones. If you're sitting in that chair... Are you receptive to that idea, which probably leads to making him the highest-paid cornerback in football? That one, yes. Now, now I'd be um, absolutely exploring that and putting that together because that the pass rush and your secondary—they're codependent. Um, it's difficult for one to live without the other one. So when you have players that are quote-unquote locked down, but they've got to cover for four seconds those things start to break down and vice versa. If you have a great pass rush, but that quarterback can get the ball out in two and a half seconds because no one can cover on the back end. So those things do become codependent. So you're going to want to work on both. Obviously, you have a lot of young players that have a lot of play time and good for them for stepping up. Obviously, invested the pick last year. Uh, you know, and you get Baker, and obviously had a lot of starts out of him, but those starts weren't always... Uh, premium and to give him a, a little bit of uh, support. I also would consider depth at safety, you know, not just corner. Cause if you go get a Byron Jones, all teams are going to do is throw a Baker. So I would want to continue to explore what you could do to supplement the entirety of it. Um, assuming you're going to make a move on from Anton, but they would bet you're gone. I think those, those guys that were, were, were better players knew the system are most likely, you know, not going to be the linchpins of things moving forward. And so can you, you know, what's it going to cost to get an Anthony Harris potentially from Minnesota? Um, Von Bell's not to your typical deep safety, but a little bit of a chess piece that those new, the guy, coaches from New England um, have used before, like a Patrick Chung. You know, can Von come in and be a guy like that? Again, take some of the pressure off. You're looking at a team that from a, a salary cap um, Split. I mean, not every team is 50-50. There's no mandate to be 50-50. There's not even a, a guarantee that a 50-50 split in your spend between offense and defense guarantees anything. But the numbers are over $91.5 million on offense and just shy of $25 million on defense. So you're talking about what, $65 million, $66 million in difference between spends on one side and the other. you got to put some players on the defense to give Patrick Graham and those guys a chance. Um to do that and be effective 
and again, take the pressure off the offense not having to score 28 to 32 points a game to be competitive. Uh, if you can bring that down, it helps the entirety of the, uh, you know, both sides uh, as you're bringing along Daniel Jones, you know, because all these things have to work in concert with each other. And so I don't think you're going to, I don't think it's a one player free agency deal. If you're going to, if you're going to dive into that end of the pool, I think you, you dive in, um, you spend that money because there's no guarantees of the draft capital that you have, uh, that you're going to walk away with a number of players. I mean, again, at four and 36, I'm seeing very good chance of landing a couple of good players, but then you drop down to nothing else till 100. So unless you're willing to get out of those spots, get out of four, get out of 36, and get more top 100 picks. I'm not a believer in the just get picks to get picks. I'm, I don't know why I need a bunch of picks after 150. Uh, I like top 100 picks personally. Uh, so the more of those you can get. So getting out of three of those towards four or maybe even five, that's where I would want to shift resources around and see if we can get into those areas. There you go. While we're still on the topic of free agency, and and I know you, you know you you talked about the the split you know in money that the Giants have spent. There is really only one scenario that I can see where the Giants might spend any sort of big money on the offensive side of the ball. And, and although there are a lot of of offensive tackles in the draft, the only scenario I can see might be where the Giants would spend big money on on right tackle Jack Conklin simply because of his age, because I think you get his prime years. He plays a position of need. And again, if you're in the chair, do you do you go into the market? Do you go into that Conklin bidding war or or do you just say, you know, my resources have to be on the defensive side of the ball? I look at where Solder's money's at, and there's definitely um, a lot of dead money there. But again, with, with having as much cap space as they have, I don't look at that as, as locked in. So I think both tackle spots from where I would sit are going to be up for consideration. Um, I I would rather spend uh, – it would be probably a decent amount of money, but I'd rather spend on a Jason Peters or see if you can't get Trent Williams out of Washington – um, obviously Jason would be a very short term would be a one year deal and then again give you flexibility depending on what happens in the draft um, if you don't acquire one at four if you're in the range at 36 or something like that uh, when you start looking at offensive tackle you can still work within that uh, that situation and still be effective I would want to look at the, the tackle market for some other, other angles as well uh, other than just putting everything behind conflict and last question before we actually take a little break here and then turn to uh, to a little bit of draft chatter. The Giants have a decision to make with Evan Ingram coming up. Obviously, often injured. Report came out the other day that he's still in a walking boot after suffering the foot injury at the end of last year. Not really sure what to get. You know what you'll you'll get out of Ingram. The Giants have the fifth-year option decision coming up with Engram. What are you looking to do with Engram? Are you picking up that option? Are you maybe, you know, quietly making him available in a trade, or are you just, you know, picking up that option and, and you know, crossing your fingers and hoping that that you get, you know, production that equals the talent? 
you're not in a market with tight ends, both in free agency and the draft, that's particularly robust in terms of if you people like because the, the the conversation is always just what happens if we don't keep them. It's it's where do we go after that, uh, which is going to be a you know, concern this year. I mean, there's definitely some names, but. Again, if you're going to be putting money into the resources, I would put money into defense. I would put money into the offensive line, those kind of things, before I put it in the tight end uh, with the current roster construction. So if you're not going to spend money in free agency and the, the draft class isn't as robust as it's been in some past years at that position, to me, it, it seems like from the numbers, you bring them back and you're not going to bank on it. We're going to have to have scheme and strategy put together for a non Ingram game plan. And then if we have him allow that to be a luxury piece, not a core structure piece. Um, and so hopefully there's still some options when you get to the second phase of free agency, when the, the cash starts to come down a little bit, uh, see what's still on the market at that point um, and address it that way. You know, I, I don't know where teams are going to be at on like, a, you know, an Eric Ebron type, you know, if his, if his market isn't robust um, and that could come down, um, you know, maybe there's something in that range. Again, I would imagine this is, these are the scenarios you have to wait and see. It's, it's hard to kind of to plan around those because you have to see if some other team uh, does have a, a high number on it. But if those things come down a bit, I think you could look. Um, look at some of those second-tier free agents to add some depth to protect, but I think you have to put resources in other positions. All right, let's take a little break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors, then we'll come back with Dan and we'll talk a little bit about uh, about the draft. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and we're talking with Dan Hatman of the Scouting Academy Spent the first part of our show going through uh, of various free agent scenarios. Want to talk a little bit now about uh, about draft scenarios, and I guess Dan, the, the the big question, you know, everybody does their mock drafts right now, and and we spent time talking in the first part of the show about using all of those those draft resources or or free agent resources, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. If if again and again, if you're in the chair, are you doing anything with that number four pick, with that first pick, you know that the Giants have? Are you doing anything with that pick other than taking the guy that you consider to be the best offensive tackle on the board? I want out of four. I I I, I want more picks. <laughs> and just the way I, this is this is not a one tackle doesn't make this team a playoff contender next year. So I need more picks to get in there. Uh, and there's a lot of players, and I, I, I totally understand not wanting to walk away from blue chippers. I, I, I get it. It's, it's hard um, because they're just so rare. Like even in this class, we're not talking about there being 12 blue chippers. There's good players, but that tier extends down. Uh, but I think with where the roster's at, you got to spend more time adding that depth in those good players uh, than you do adding one blue chipper and hoping everything else falls into place. So I'm, you know, when, when I'd be up there saying the same thing, I'm open for business. Like let's talk and see if we can get out of that. Now, if you can't, um, 
you're going to, the, the tackle market, it's going to go, it's going to go fast, uh, which is good for those players. Um, and it makes sense with where the, the league is at right now in terms of depth of that position. Um, very important thing there. But I think what gets hard is that, again, I, I don't think it's one tackle is going to change change things as much. Um, I don't want to phrase this. So when I came up in the business, I was taught, you know, you got to have a quarterback, a left tackle, and as many pass rushers as you can find. And, and you know, left tackle is more important than right tackle and, and so forth and so on. Um, I've, I've really kind of gotten away from that um, the last couple of years. I don't see it as one, one offensive line position is valuable. The way I look at it, you need – you have five. Again, ideally you'd have five good ones, but that doesn't typically manifest. To keep five good ones really takes a lot of resources, uh, both initial draft capital and then uh, the spend afterwards, which gets to be difficult. I think when you look around and look at the teams that have effective units, it's a combination of at least three of the five are really good players and then good coaching uh, to complement that other piece and have some guys that you're plugging in uh, to roles underneath that. And so uh, you have a, it's not a one, a one player deal. Um, so for me, when I look at the draft class and things of that nature, I mean, I'm, I really like the Simmons kid uh, out of Clemson. And I have a really tough time walking away from, uh, walking away from a player like that because of all the options that it gives you. And I know you're probably not going to get the same tackle at a, at a 36, I fully understand, but would hope that um, would hope that we can continue to address that position uh, at other places in the draft. All right, so there's all sorts of scenarios where the Giants could move down. You know, obviously, there's two or three quarterback needy teams right behind the Giants. We're talking about the Dolphins. We're talking about the Chargers whether the Panthers at seven would be going quarterback or whether they would be going in a different direction if they moved up, you know, is debatable. But if you look a little bit farther down, the the Raiders are interesting, and and they're interesting to me because they have 12 and 19. So I guess my question for you is you're sitting at four, Dave Gettleman said at the Combine that there's a danger in moving too far down. How far down are you willing to go? Me, I'm probably willing to take on a little more risk just with you know where I see things. Um, so for me, part of it is you got to start playing the market. And so it's, it's positions, and then within that position, where are the tiers – so the offensive line tier, you know, now we're talking about four names. It seems like an offensive tackle would get pretty common play, but there's still some depth underneath that. The young man from Houston, the young man from UConn, the young man from Auburn, and others uh, come to mind. You know, so for me, I look at the tackle market and say I could still play and tackle at 36. Is it going to be the same as a tackle? No, because that's just the nature of when you move down the draft. Um, but if I don't get uh, another versatile piece we talked about, particularly in the back end, 
Um, because the you know you're not going to get a chance to get a player like Chase Young. I assume that's not going to be an option at four. So with that being off the table, um, I think that again I look at a position like Simmons, and then I do like the young man out of Alabama, McKinney, uh, who I do think again is a versatile piece you can use in a lot of places. But then I think the tier off of that falls farther than tiers at defensive end or offensive tackle in this draft. And so I think you, I would, you know, I want to move to a position where I'm either getting one of those guys or I'm now in a position where I can cover all of those uh, picks throughout potentially the 30s and 40s with picks. So again, I could get out of four twice, you know, and end up down in the 20s and not be miserable as long as I've accumulated those assets. It obviously depends on what those trades are. Um, but I find it up with some version of, Something in the 20s, you know, a 36, if I ended up with a 33 and 40 and what, you know, for me, that I'm, I'm adding a lot of good players all of a sudden and we can fill a lot of holes uh, within day two. And I think you have a really good squad. I don't know, Dan. Two trades down in round one, all the way down you, to you're always. Asking a risk aversion. Like, I'm not scared. Like, I don't have, it's like, oh, if I can't get a player in the top nine, I can't draft. No, I mean, I, I could move multiple times if the, if the resources are right. It's no different than we talk about with Yannick and Gakwe in the trade. Like, they don't have to trade them, but if you make it right, I'll go. I don't have to leave four. I can sit at four and take a good player. But I do think that there's more value in having four or five really good players in the top 50 than one guy at four. I th- I think I think there are Giants fans who would who would uh, who would vote Dan Hatman for GM right now, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there's Giants fans that would want to hang me up for for, for saying that. Again, everybody's got their own take on these things. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to do 17 trades and I want to pick 40 guys you know, in the sixth round. It's not a it's not a trade down in perpetuity. There's a there's always a sweet spot in the draft, and you know you have a whole team of people working all year round, gathering this information. You put this information together on a board. You have to look at those natural tiers, and if you're saying, "Hey, we think there's a big drop between picks 45, and then after that it falls down a bit," like okay, then I want to see how many I can accumulate in those first 45. And if I look at it, and all the picks I can get fall outside of that tier, I'm not moving. I want to fall off of that, but these things plateau for a period of time. So when you drop down, it hits a tier, but then that extends, you know, some drafts you can extend picks from 20 to 60 really aren't that different in value. You, you know, really got to see the team grades on these guys. They would look relatively similar for a long period of time. Um, in those where they're, they're nuanced within a category, but teams will have a category that has, you know, a decimal point range, you know, uh, 6.7 to 6.9 or something like that, and they can vary it inside of that, but all of those come with the same description. You're just, it's a stacking mechanism. And so if it comes with the same description, to me that's the same tier. And if, again, I have a whole group of players in that tier that I feel like are good, well, then I want a lot of shots at that to add a lot of, uh, a lot of pieces to this. Now, if you're sitting here in a different roster construction point and you're sitting here going, hey, like, we are... This position is really the linchpin. If we had this, it changed everything. If it was just a pass rush, if it was just an outside lane corner, if it was just an offensive tackle that would really change the calculus, you know, then I'm a trade-up guy. Then let's go get that that thing and go after it. But I think this is a scenario where you're going to want to have as many good players 
know, again, so day two is that sweet spot for me. Um, how many can you get in there and get extracted out of that day? All right, so so we know what you would do. We both know Dave's history, seven drafts that he's run in Carolina and New York. Never traded down, I don't think, in any round. You know, he's talked about about being a little, as as you said, risk averse in in not wanting to drop too far and miss out on you know what you might consider you know that it, from four that that first tier of players. Do you think Dave would move down and and it and when you're when you're when you're looking at Dave, if he does. Do you think he's willing to go outside the top ten? Personally, I don't. I think a move for for Dave. I think he's got to be within the top ten to uh, to make a trade. So, without having spoken with him, you know, there's no inside baseball on this one. But so all we can do is look at the history and try to use that as our measuring stick. And um, so, I, I agree. I don't see a lot of evidence that suggests he is coming out of pick four. Um, and if you do entice him to come out of pick four, I, I can't imagine a team in the teens is going to get him to come up and do that. Um, now, we've seen trades in the past that you know, teams move up like that. And it costs them three ones or something like that. And that again, that might move him off his spot. I mean, but everyone's got a price. Um, so I, it only we can sit here and say it's an impossibility. Uh, but it, the, the quarterback piece of this you know so the teams like Washington really hold the keys to the draft because if they let those quarterbacks come down further um, so if, if Washington holds and picks a player if Detroit holds and picks a player then yeah all of a sudden there's a tremendous amount of leverage and pick four to get out of there and I think you're going to see teams really working to navigate that um but if those kind of scenarios happen, I think you're still going to have plenty of teams in the top 10 that are looking to make that move um, and, and give him a chance to stay inside the top 10 uh, with that trade. So, I, no, I don't expect it to be outside of the top 10 unless it's a godfather offer. All right. So really, really, really interesting offseason coming for the Giants. Free agency kicks off in uh, in just a few days. Dan, maybe uh, once we see what the Giants do in free agency, maybe we'll circle back before the draft and uh, and, and chat again. Uh, just before I let you go, why don't you you know quickly uh, tell people how they can uh, how they can sign up for the Scouting Academy and and what they get for their money. So we are at scoutingacademy.com is our website, and I try to keep every answer to questions that I get on there. But you can also just email me directly. At director at scoutingacademy.com, and I'm happy to answer uh, any of your questions. And even if you don't want to sign up for the class, you just want to talk about career path and stuff in scouting, um, yeah, don't reach out with your draft questions because I don't have all the answers on that. But if you want to talk about your career, I'm happy to help. Um, again, we run a 16-week online program for people that want to come in and do a deep dive into different positions, working on uh, fundamentals of what to look for, having multiple different instructors, be it uh, former GMs, personnel executives, position coaches, head coaches, coordinators, what have you, all speak about how they look for those things, what uh, tricks and tips they had in terms of that, really help you 
figure out uh, what you're seeing, why you believe what you believe, and then working on helping people communicate that uh, and share that information with uh, whether it be people in the public space. We've had many uh, beat writers and analysts come through um, that want to communicate to the public, but also people that want to be on team side, whether it be college or professional. So we're here for, for anybody that wants to be better in the evaluation space. All right. Highly recommend uh, that you folks check out Scouting Academy if if that's something that interests you. Giants fans, thank you very, very much for listening. Dan, thank you very much for for dropping the knowledge on us and spending the time. And uh, Giants fans, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye now. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.